0: entire chapter of Luke, the 15th chapter. There's one continuous discourse that Jesus is sharing to refute the persons and their ideology and their theology and their perception of who he is and who he is in the Father and how he sees those that are lost. And so it's one continuous discourse with just one continuous thought, is the love of the Father for the lost of humanity. So let's look here in Luke. We're going to see three distinct different uh, parables, but they, they all are part of what Jesus is sharing. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him. Mm. Notice that. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them. Notice, this parable to them. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one, then he does not leave the ninety-nine into the wilderness? And he goes after the one which is lost, notice, until he finds it. And when he had found it, he lays it on his shoulder, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me! I have found my sheep which was lost, I say to you. that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Verse 8, or the woman having ten silver coins, If she loses one, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, rejoice with me. I have found the peace which I have lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Let me stop right there Just 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 a moment. Notice there, Jesus says that twice. He says whenever what he is searching for is found, then he rejoiceth over that one and all of heaven rejoiceth. How many know today that the moment that you surrendered your lost heart to the God that found you, and you said, Jesus, come into my life, you know what happened? There was a celebration of your birthday in heaven. Immediately, all of the angels in heaven were rejoicing over the fact that you came out of darkness into his life. Oh, that's not me, preacher. We're going to change that perspective in just a moment. Now, I want you to continue here. Then he said... A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to him his livelihood. Verse 13, And now many days after the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all there, there arose a famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into the field to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself... He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him and said, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatty calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry his son had, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now the older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked them, What are these things, mean?" And he said to him, Your brother has come. Because he was, has re- received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatty calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said, he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have transgressed. uh, I've never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as the son of yours came, this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. Mm. Wow. Now, there's a lot. Let me just say this this way. There is a mammoth amount of truth. That we could take today and begin to preach and it would take us weeks on end to finish. I understand that as we look at these parables. As we look at these divisions of this one discourse, we can see how that there's so much truth and rich history. How many love the word of God? You can look at it, you can read it and it's still alive and it's breathing and you can take in and you can bask in the goodness of God's word and he can give us so many truths as as it comes forth out of his book. If you're not in the book, let me encourage you, get in the book. If you spend more time in other entertaining activities, let me encourage you to give up some of those entertaining activities and open the book. Open up the Bible. Begin to read the, the manna that God brought forth from heaven to change and to transform our lives. Oh, I love when Jesus was on the road to Emmaus and he, he, he came along a couple of guys that were walking and he began to, once he revealed, he began to reveal to them how that from the very beginning of Moses' writing all the way to the end, he began to express, let me say in the old covenant, in the old right, he began to show them himself in the midst of all of that. When you open the book, start looking for Jesus because he's on the page. Amen? But as we look here, what we see is we understand as human beings that we've heard the adage and the saying that says, perception becomes reality. We can perceive a thing long enough and it becomes a reality to us. We, we We start looking. We understand that. We, we, don't, we don't walk in the, we try to avoid the very appearance of evil. We understand the human nature and the human mind and how people operate. But see, the flip side of that is true as well. My reality is my perception. My reality is my perception. Case in point, if I have fear that has gripped my heart, I'm going to look at everybody as being a threat to my security. Is everybody a threat to my security? No. But if now I take on the ideology that my perception is everybody is out to get me, all of a sudden my reality is not one of peace and safety and rest. My reality becomes one of torment and fear and hiding. So as we look to God's Word, we need to see that truth brings the right perspective. Now, as we look at stories, uh, no matter what story we're looking at, we look, for the, we look for the victims, we look for the evil, and we look for the hero. Amen? And generally, we like to identify with the hero. But in this, these stories that have been slotted and laid out, we see that we label those parables individually as the one who has ultimately, who the one is being sought after. We see the lost sheep, we see the lost coin, and we see the lost son. We see here Jesus is giving these these parables, these stories to refute the perception of the Pharisees that are there, that are looking down upon the sinners, and yes, the tax collectors. (laughs) But as you look at that, what I want you to see is we combat the condemnation in our own heart. Let's don't look at the Pharisee on the outside. Let's look at the Pharisee on the inside. Let's start looking at how we believe that God only is concerned about how good we can be in ourselves. And we lose sight of the grace that God has given us to empower us. To do right. So as you look at this, what we begin is Jesus is refuting the uh, the the notion there. I'm just going to title this message simply "The Shepherd, the Woman, and the Father." The Shepherd, the Woman, and the Father. I want to look at the hero in the story, which is Jesus Christ, who has come to redeem us from the lostness of our uh, of our past and and bring us into a place of relationship with Him. So as we look at this, what we see is that he is refuting the ideology of those Pharisees that are there saying that, look, Jesus is mingling among sinners, not knowing that we're all sinners until we come into relationship with God. And then we're no longer sinners. We are saints. Amen. Free from the power of sin through the blood of Jesus Christ because we have been born again. But as you look at this, what I want you to see here is the hero in the first one is still the hero in the second and the third. But the hero in the first one is the shepherd. And the shepherd there, he's the one that searches after the one who has been lost until he finds it. Let me say to you, as the psalmist David wrote, uh, there's a reality when a shepherd had however many sheep that he had. If one came up missing, he knew that there's a possibility that that sheep could not make their way back to the fold and ultimately they would be in danger. The Lord knew that you and I could not make it back to the fold on our own. That we were lost. That we could not find the way and the measure and the means by ourselves. We are groping in the darkness of our sin, of our past, of our shame, and of our pain. And we can't find the way. He's not the one that is lost. We were the lost sheep. we look at this, the psalmist David, I believe, is the one that wrote this. He said, Oh, my soul, why are you cast down within me? Rejoice in the Lord. That cast down was a state that a sheep would find themselves in that David the shepherd was well aware of. That when a sheep would become overloaded, get lost in the wilderness and wander about, The fleece that was on them could get so matted up with debris and mud that they became weary under the load. And ultimately, they would try to find a place to to kneel down and get some rest. they would lay down in a soft spot, try to find some comfort. How many folks do you know today and how many of us have found ourselves in our sin weighted down by the sin and we just want to find some place of comfort? Unfortunately, that place of comfort is no comfort. It'll lead to our destruction. So the sheep lays down and what happens is the sheep flips over and they have literally laid down and they cannot get back up. Now, when a sheep finds itself in that state, depending upon the atmospheric conditions around them, if the sun is beating down and it is hot, just by the very nature of where that sheep is at, the gastric acids will build up in their stomach, and they will literally suffocate and die on their own. You and I will inherently self-destruct. You can't make it on your own you've got to have Christ in him alone but you notice an animal that is there in that present state of vulnerability is only is, is prey to a predator that will come and devour that sheep I want to say to you, I couldn't get back to Jesus on my own. I want to say to you that you cannot get back to Jesus on your own. And now, the Pharisee in us that tells us we got to live according to works and not according to the righteous work that He's already done, and that righteous work working through us is just a pharmaceutical mindset that leads us to a pit of condemnation. But when I begin to understand, wait a minute, the reason I am here and the only reason I can stand. It's because Jesus left his throne. He's the good shepherd, and he came down to this earth, and he sought, and he sought, and he sought in my sin. He found me in my place of such torment in my mind. I had fallen over. I was self-destructing. The enemy was ready to devour me. They were crouching in on top of me. A Death was lingering about, and all of a sudden, the shepherd finds me. He picks me up. He puts me on his shoulders, and he he carries me to the fold, and he rejoiceth over the fact. See, the hero in that story is the shepherd. Unfortunately, Israel had gotten to the place where they despised in that day, historically proven that they despised the shepherds. They took on the mindset of Egypt. Egypt. The Egyptians despise the shepherd, but we see there that Jesus is declaring himself, I'm the good shepherd, and there's no shepherd that is worth his salt that will not leave the 99 in the care of the watchman to go out and find the one that is lost. Let me tell you, Jesus Christ knows where you're at. The problem is, is we find ourselves so lost in our thoughts, and our history, and our past, and our theology. And we don't have the revelation that God loves us so very, very much that he's going to search and search and search. He's going to find you in the midst of your depression and he's going to pull you out. He's going to find you in the midst of your struggle and he's going to lift you up. And he's not going to do so by condemning you, but he's going to relieve that burden because he's the only one that can. Where is there room for condemnation when you're in Christ Jesus? There is no room for condemnation. The Pharisee that needs to be silent is not the one that you may run into on the street. It's the one that's in your own heart that's telling you that God doesn't care. He cared so much that he left all behind so that he could walk on this earth so that you and I may be rescued. That sounds like good news, doesn't it? Now, He's zeroing in on us. There's a hundred to one. You guys might not get it. Let's bring it down to ten to one comparison. There's a woman who has ten coins. And she loses one of these coins. Now, most theologian historians will tell you that that coin there is a denarii. Which is a day's wages. And ten days wages may not be a lot, lot, but it is her dowry. And sometimes they would string them together on a chain, and it was it had sentimental value to her because it represented the equivalent of a wedding ring. How many have ever lost a ring? You've lost a ring, and you're like, you you searched the world over to try to find that ring. But because of the construction in Israel in those houses, there would be cracks and crevices in the rocks. And so a coin could easily fall into that crack. And many. Houses were dated by archaeologists by the coins that were found in those cracks. Just a bit of trivia. But we see here that those ten coins wouldn't mean as much to Melissa as they would mean to Shelby or Andrea or someone else. But if it's your wedding ring, if it's yours, then it means all the world to you. And what the Lord is showing them, and isn't it amazing how Israel despised in the religious perception, they despised the shepherds, but Jesus revealed his, his birth first to the shepherds. And you know that because the world perception, they marginalized women, Jesus revealed, or the first person who witnessed his resurrection was a woman. <laughs> Let me tell you that uh, if you want equality, get in Jesus. Amen? He doesn't see us according to our race. He does see us according to our race. He knows you're a man or a woman. He made you that way, praise God. But he sees us through his lens uh, and he sees us uh, as what he is going to do in us uh, and through us by his power. Amen? But We see here she loses her coin and she searches the house over until she finds it why because she valued that coin she valued that coin he's saying to them um, to those to those scribes and pharisees as he's talking to the pharisee and you and this is what's hard for us sometimes to receive god values us now I'm going to look for a show of hands how many of you when i made that statement You have a very difficult time believing that God values you. Let me show you something here, because I believe that it will transform your life. If you understand the value that God places in you, you will begin to perceive that Jesus not only values you, but there are others in your life that value you as well. Anytime that you question, you start looking at the relationships around you. Now, I may not feel many times that I'm valued, but I can look to my wife and I say, yes, I'm valued. Thus, I must continue to move forward. I look at my children, my, my, my grandchildren. I see them, and I look at my family. I look at my, my friends and those that I minister to, and I understand that though I may not feel that value, I am valued by those that are around me and by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me br- drive it home. When my father committed suicide, when I was 14 years old, my cry of my heart when I received that news was God, I was saying, Dad, why would you do that? Do you not know how much I love you and I needed you, but you checked out. You were not understanding how much I love you and I valued you. Don't step into eternity before you stop to hear what the Lord is doing in your own life and that though you may not feel that value, You are valuable to someone. You are valuable to someone. And when we start taking on that understanding, now we start walking in a place in the natural. Well, I'm isolated. I'm alone. My father was convinced he had no value and the world would be better off without him. I assure you, as a 14-year-old boy, I was not better off without my father who never saw my children, never saw his grandchildren, never saw his great-grandchildren. He was not better off and we were not better off. It's a lie from the pit of hell and it is the Pharisee in you that's telling you that you're of no value, but I'm saying to you, and declaring to you by the word of God and the perception of the Father. It's the woman who searches out the coin and when she finds it, she doesn't condemn the coin, but she calls her friends together and they say, look what has been done, what I have lost that mean no value to you. It is valuable to me and I want you to rejoice with me. You couldn't get back to God on your own. Some of you have fallen into a pit and you can't get out of it. God knows where you're at. If you want to be found, just reach up and say, Jesus, I surrender. I need you. And he's the one that picks you up. He's the one that cleans you up. He's the one that lifts the burdens. He's the one that takes away the pain. He's the one who values you so much that he will search and search and search, uh, just as the woman did with such diligence. Uh, she searched until she found what she valued. Amen? But the last thing, the prodigal son, the, the shepherd, the woman, and the father. Oh, such deep, rich truths! I've looked back on some notes that I, a, a message I preached a year or so ago, and that 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 parable there, the uh, the my three sons, and that and that in that story. See, the Lord is zeroing in. and Though you despise the shepherds, the shepherd's heart is he'll leave the ninety-nine and go after the one. And the woman who has just a meager amount, that look doesn't look like anything to anybody. he She's the one that diligently seeks because she values uh, what she has lost. Uh, Now let's bring it into more closer proximity to something maybe you would understand. There's an animal and an inanimate object. Now there's a son. 100 to 1, 10 to 1. Now it's 2 to 1. (laughs) Zeroing in. Now in Jewish law, they would not separate the goods they would not divide up the inheritance until after the father had died so for the son to come forth and say daddy I want what comes to me I want it now what was he doing he was spitting in the face of his father and said I don't care about a relationship with you I want my reward without relationship I want blessing without boundaries I want to do it my way Give it to me. Give it to me now. The father divided the livelihood. Now, he was the younger son, so the elder son, he got his division as well. He got two-thirds of the inheritance, and the younger only got a third. He takes off, and he'd been now with, with worthless living. Prodigal means worthless. With worthless living, he simply wastes all that was given to him. He wastes it. There are those of you who are sitting in here and the Pharisee in you is telling you you are not worthy and that God doesn't care where you're at and now you are at a place. You have come to yourself and God doesn't care about where you're at because you had an opportunity but you've wasted everything you have. You've wasted it with worthless living. He goes off. He comes to himself. He went out with abundance. He came back with nothing. Not even the shoes on his feet. He didn't have a robe on his back. And he came back with such such shame as he walked into his village. All the villagers would see him. And when he left like that, because of what he did to his father, because of the social hierarchy, it would have been a shame for him. But when he came back, his father now, I like this aspect of his history. Fathers wouldn't run. Fathers would not run. They sure don't, as my wife points at me. Fathers, fathers did, in, in Jewish fathers, they wouldn't, you wouldn't catch them running. But Jesus is the one telling the story. And as he's telling the story, he said the father was standing there and he's looking a great way off because he knows that his son has made a decision. And I can't violate that decision. He's of age and he's out living that life. But there's a hope in the midst of the father's heart that one day that that child will come to himself and he wouldn't stay out there in that place. And I don't care what he's done or where he's been. I want him back here. I want him to come home. I want him here with me. I want And I'm going to watch every day. I want to be looking on the horizon. Is it my son? Oh, is that the neighbor? Is that a shepherd down the road? Oh, it's not him. I'm going to get up the next morning. I'm going to be watching any fathers in the house, any mothers in the house. You wouldn't care where your son or your daughter have fallen into. You just want them to come home. You just want them safe. You just want them restored. You want to love on them. You would chase after them. And let me say to you, that natural love that's inside of you It's not yours. Stop taking credit for it. It's given to you from heaven above. Without God's moral compass in the midst of our hearts, we would destroy everything good around us. Thank God that He has given us some measure so that we even inherently can understand His love for us. He's watching, He's looking. He comes in. He runs. He grabs him. He smells like a pig. he has been in a pig pen. His breath smells like slop. Sean, come in. The father doesn't care. If he's like me, he's probably winded. Bring it in, son. That's okay. We'll get you cleaned up. Now, the elder brother. If you not realize, Jesus just sandwiched this story, with the with from the reaction of the Pharisees in the beginning, to the Pharisees at the end. He put all that in there, bookended it. The Pharisees that were sitting there is the elder brother, who had all the benefits of the covenant and the law and the the grace and the uh, of God, but they just didn't recognize it. They thought that their goodness was something according to what they have done. I've never, not me, I didn't do it. Oh yes, we have all sinned and fall short of the, short of the glory of God. There's not a righteous one among us that do not have Jesus Christ living in your heart. If you've got Jesus in your heart, you're part of the righteous crowd and not until then. But now he looks at them and sees their... This he said, look, you you killed the fatty calf. You didn't do anything for me, but you killed the fatty calf, and now you've made a celebration. You have literally celebrated his shame that he brought on all of us. Look how he's made us look. Because it would have been a shameful shameful thing for this son to do what he did. What you did was a shameful act against God. There is no doubt out, and the Pharisee in you would tell you, you got to earn God's love. Not one of my children have to earn my love. They get it because I give it freely to them. There's not one of my grandchildren that have to earn my love. I am glad for them. I am happy, and I bestow my love upon them freely, and I do not want them to continue or to ever live in a place of Shame. What does a father do? He takes the cloak, the robe, and he throws it over the shoulders of his son. And with his robe, he covers his son's shame. You don't have feet. You don't have shoes to walk in. Let me tell you, we don't have the shoes to walk in in our inheritance. That's why Jesus gives us the, the the boots of the gospel. He gives us the inheritance, and only the poorest of the poor went barefooted. Poorest of the poor went barefooted. It was a mark of poverty. But God's not marked us with poverty. He's marked us with an inheritance of Jesus Christ. And he puts his shoes on our feet. But he doesn't stop there. He covers our shame and he gives us the ring of authority, the signet ring that now in his name we can transact business. We are now part of the fold. I don't want any more servants. I need some more sons and daughters. I want you to bring it in and come into me because you will now serve as a son. See, the elder brother had no concern for his younger brother. I've titled this and used this before, but I'm going to throw this in as I'm closing. You have the entitled son, you have the indignant son, and then you have the eternal son. I've titled that prodigal son, renamed it my three sons, because those three sons are represented in there. You have the entitled one, the one that wants all of the blessing without boundaries, the indignant, is only interested in what he's going to lose out of the situation. And then you have the elder son, Jesus, who's telling the story, the eternal son. And he's only interested in the father's business. Let me tell you, the elder son, if he was really concerned about the father, then he would have been out looking for his brother. Not the elder, but the the elder, the, the indignant But I'm saying to you today, somebody in this house, you've got this condemnation that's covering your heart. You knew better, but you didn't do better. The entitled son, the prodigal son, when he came to himself, he stopped for a minute and he said, wait a minute. My father, my father's nature is to treat people better than what I'm being treated. Stop to realize my father's a, a good father. He didn't treat people this way. Nobody would help him. Oh, the devil will tell you he'll help you. He'll help you into the pit. He'll keep you cloaked in shame. He will always be there to help you take the finger and push the rewind button. You failed. You failed. You failed. You failed. You're full of shame. You're full of shame. You're full of shame. God won't take you back. There's no point in trying. There's no point in even approaching. You'll never be good enough. You'll all people will always be watching you. You walk into the village, and the village will say, "He's the one." Shame, shame. Everybody knows your name. You turn to them and say, "Oh my God, He has restored me, and I know His name, and it's the only one that matters." See, Jesus was refuting and bringing the right understanding to the Pharisees about how that he, the Father, saw those that were lost. If you get to God, it's not because you did anything good except for the good choice you made in accepting Jesus. If you get to God, it's, it's, he values you. And for you to continue on that narrative, on that road, to keep saying that I'm of no value, that is the most self-absorbed statement you could make today. Nobody values me. Nobody values me. That is a self-absorption thought pattern. I don't matter to anyone. I don't, no one would notice if I was gone. That's not from heaven. If you hadn't made the inroads and the impacts you need to, you're not going to continue. You're not going to do it by staying on that road. You're still heading in that same path. Get on a different road that leads you to him. Stop telling people about what you've done for God and start telling people what God has done for you. Start professing by faith that Jesus Christ valued you so much that he gave himself for you. And it's time that some of you take off the cloak of shame and put on the robe of righteousness today.